the Staff and Graph podcast. This is weird. My lock's been drilled, so I open the door and my steering wheel is missing. In looks or salad. You know what? You're trying very hard not to get sued. You can have all the talent in the world skating around, but if you don't have a goaltender, it does not matter. Team tidy business, baby. Welcome back to the Staff and Graph Podcast. I am Mike Stevens, and sitting virtually across from me is the one, the only future first female GM in NHL history, Rachel Dory. Rachel, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm annoyed at the NHL, mm-hmm. but I'm good. What a shock. That's that's our just default state here on, on this lovely program that we're on. <laughs> there's been a lot that's there's been a lot that's gone down, so let's just hop right into it, shall we? I feel like that's probably the best bet, considering that it's it's a shame that this podcast will then be we waited to do this podcast a day late because we wanted to there was a potential sweep that could happen with the Oilers. And lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. So we're obviously gonna get into that hella quick. Um but just to let you know, this podcast is dropping on Tuesday night, so we won't have the results of the Leafs game, so we won't know when the Leafs go up 3-1. It's going to be a shame, but whatever. I hope you know that now that you've said that, they're losing. A hundred percent. I love life. All right, let's hop into the Oilers. This is a cataclysmic disaster of epic sort of cinematic proportions, if you will. Like, this is the worst. Like, the, the Oilers, everyone was penciling the Oilers in to play the Leafs in the second round from... And, like, rightfully so. And rightfully, absolutely. This is the but better team. remember what I said when we did the playoff preview? What was the one thing I said? Connor Hellebuck can steal you a series, man. <laughs> but, then you, but then you think... I was desperately hoping to be wrong. Like, you and I both know I was desperately hoping to be wrong. Look, as someone who... As someone who, you know, like, it, it watches the Leafs primarily... I want to see, uh, um, like, I'm, I'm far more content with the chances the Leafs have in the second round now, if they get there. I don't want to jinx it or anything. But this, like, I'd much rather play the Jets and the Oilers. But, like, you have the two highest scoring players in the league. You have Connor McDavid and you have Leon Dreisaitl. Oh. And not only did you, like, not only did they get swept, but they, they got swept in a way that, like, I'd, I'd, I'd honestly rather if the Jets came out and just shit kicked them. I'd honestly rather if the Jets came out and just blew the Oilers out of the water and they didn't, they, they had, because at least you can go scorched earth on that. The Oilers, first of all, blew a 4-1 lead with eight minutes left in game three. And we'll get into that. <laughs> and, let, and let me just tell you, that hurt never goes away. You will never escape that pain. As I tweeted, foods that once burst with flavor will now taste bland. You will have to live with that forever. You will be Oilers fans. You will be having a nice day in the summer. Like it'll be like August 10th and you'll just be like on your porch, your backyard. Maybe if you have a cottage up your cottage, I don't know what the cottaging situation is like in Edmonton. You'll be having a good day. You know, maybe your significant other is there or you're petting your dog and then your mind will wander for a second and it will hit you that you blew a three, a four, one lead in the third period of a game that you should have won that eventually led to your downfall and it will ruin your day. And that's what will happen. But we have a lot to break down break down here. So just give me your thoughts, Rachel. Four one lead, three minutes to go. Boy, what a what went wrong here? Um okay, so I let's start with, with the first thing, which is if you're arguing over which four one 
blown <laughs> lead is worse. Like, <laughs> stop. They're both awful. Both fan bases are gonna are gonna have to deal with it. Yeah. Like, there's no sense in arguing one was game seven, one wasn't. One led to you getting swept, so that's e- like equally as bad. And why are we litigating which one's worse? Like, who cares? They're both awful. I tweeted like arguing about which game seven, which which blown four uh, one lead is worse is like is like arguing with another dude about who got cheated on the hardest. Like you both lost. You both yeah. it, like it's it, it's it, whoever comes out the victor here. Whoever got whoever is the least, whoever whoever you know got spurned the least. You still are down bad. Like shut up. <laughs> you both suck. But yeah, this I I was I don't know this. Uh, we have a lot. I want to talk about Ken Holland mainly. Okay. This is this is the main because you know what you can put a lot on the Oilers but I think the way this team is constructed is flawed. And yes, but I think we also I think it is unfair to only talk about Ken Holland when no, you're no, talking no. about the construction of the roster because the truth of the matter is he was hamstrung a ton by what Peter Shirelli did. Oh, Ken yeah. Holland did not sign the Miko Koskinen deal. But Ken Holland, okay, so I have some quotes on uh, here that I want to bring up because Ken Holland, yes, I'm, I'm, he's a very respected hockey man. I, I, you know, like he's, he's won Stanley Cups. Congratulations. But you, you are given like he gets this job, and regardless of what of the mess that Peter Shirelli left the team in, like whatever. I know that that's that's tough, but. You know, keep in mind that Lou Lamorello left the Leafs in cap shambles, at least when he left. And Kyle Dubas didn't get any slack for for having to navigate through that. And so it was a much worse job that Peter Shirelli did. But at the same time, I think it was it was different. Um, Ken Holland. So here's 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 one uh, one quote I have. This is from this is from a year, a year and a half ago. So this is as when McDavid was entering his fifth season. So it's as okay. McDavid as McDavid enters his. This was from the Athletic. As McDavid enters his fifth season with only one playoff appearance to show for it, it's up to Holland to keep him pushing forward. You got to live with it, Holland said. You look at Alexander Ovechkin. It took him 13 years. He was number one overall. He was 13 years in the league before he won a Stanley Cup. Now I understand where he's coming from with that, but also. That's such a defeatist attitude because then you go on to the piece de resistance. This, although the Oilers have a lot of cap space opening up in the summer, we'll talk about that. So a lot of people are thinking, oh, it could be their next year. You had a prime opportunity this season to at least like to you had a clear path to the third round. And although it's it's a cliche, once you like once you get into the dance, anything can happen. And I think I just think that you should be gunning for it all the time. So here's what Ken Holland said at the trade deadline. Every single contending team around him essentially added, they bolstered, and the Oilers with with horrendous depth, with depth that on April 26th, it was on 5-on-5, the Oilers are plus 88 in scoring chances with, with Connor McDavid on the ice. And without him, they're minus 183. Right, but you're, I would also like to point out, like having been in an NHL front yeah. office, there is nothing you're going to do at the trade deadline that fixes that level of discrepancy. That is an offseason. But you can problem. make that better. You can at least alleviate that because what we saw is... But the problem you have here is, and everyone is going to overlook this and just mm-hmm. chalk this up to a sweep. No, totally. Connor Hellebuck had 7.6 goals saved above expected, which means the Oilers should have had seven more goals at even strength. We are not talking about this today if it wasn't for Connor Hellebuck. And so what it boils down to is... The best 
goalie in the series. And to be honest, I think it's unfair to Mike Smith to a degree because he was fantastic all year. Yeah, like he, he was really, really came good. out of nowhere. Like no one right? expected him to be that good. No one expected it. But the great equalizer is goaltending. And to be quite fair to Mike Smith, it would be difficult for anybody to play outplay Connor Hellebuck the way he played in that series. That was absolutely unbelievable from him. 100%. Right? And so I think we're going to talk about, like, okay, Mike Smith was absolutely brutal in the third period of Mm. Game 3. Everything outside of that, he got no run support, and the reason he got no run support was that Connor Hellebuck literally decided to go Superman. Yeah. And, and steal the series. That's what this is about. We're talking about a triple overtime loss and two other overtime losses. Like, this is way closer than, than people think it was. And the fact that, according to Money Puck, the Oilers deserve to win a meter. Oh, it's crazy. Was heavily in their favor in every game. So to say, like, like Scotty Upshaw saying, like, oh, the Oilers were b- bad and, like, they got out chance, they got out played. No, they didn't. And if you actually paid attention, you would know that. Just a quick aside. Did you see the deserve a win, oh, the deserve a win meter for de- deserve to win meter? I believe that's what it's called for the for Tampa, Florida um, game five, game four, the, the, the last one that they played. Not not the Spencer Knight stealing one, but the game before that. Did you see that deserve a win meter? Oh, my God. Wasn't it? it? No, I didn't see it. But someone said, like, there is no way this should be happening. That was the text I got. It was 97.3% in favor of Florida. I've never seen a chart like that. <laughs> I've never seen a chart. It was all gold. Like, you know how they, they do the they do the team's colors? It was all gold. I couldn't see any Tampa blue. It was it was remarkable. But so, yeah, 100% give all the credit to Hellebuck. The Oilers played better. But here's the thing. You have horrific depth. Like the Oilers, they just don't have any. And I understand that you kind of have to pick and choose your spots. You have a lot of money coming up at the deadline, but it is in my opinion, you're not going to fix you're not going to fix all of your problems at the deadline. But in my opinion, for a general manager who's employed and and one with the experience that that um Ken Holland has, who is employed like employed to run a hockey team and the job to run a hockey team is to make sure that they win the Stanley like to win the Stanley Cup. That is your goal. And you're in the middle of a situation. You'll never be in this division alignment again. You all, right. you have a clear path to the conference finals where it's only Canadian teams. And we've seen anything can happen in those matchups, anything. And yes. you look at you, you have, and you look at the, your, your forwards and you have the two highest scoring forwards in the league. One of them putting up a season that basically has never happened before. Like you putting up in, in when, since goalies could start stopping pucks, We've never seen points scored at this at this rate. And you look at that and you go, you know what? Nah, I'm not I'm, I'm not going to invest in this. I'm not going to you know, you got to pick your spots. Connor, I don't care about, you know, like the offseason, how much cap space is coming up, this and that. If Connor McDavid is scoring 100 points in a pandemic shortened season, it's it's you got to go for it. It's your year. Yeah, but you know what? I I, I feel like everyone's taking that quote a little bit too far and a little bit too literally. Um, because in the position that Ken Holland was in, the time to decide we're going to go for it if you're a team that already has complementary players and the goaltending is the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. But Ken Holland was absolutely correct in his assessment that we have two good players carrying this team. So get a third. Maybe it'll help you. Maybe you'll get past the first round. But but the, no, no, no. You're missing what I'm about to say. Okay. 
you have two good players. Whether you have two good players or three good players, mm-hmm. you can't win the Stanley Cup with that. We've, we've seen that before, right? We saw that blow up. You need a goalie. And so there were no goalies of that level available at the deadline because they never are, right? Mm-hmm. And so I get, I get what Ken Holland is saying. Now, what I would say to that is, okay, I understand you identified correctly that you were definitely not going to beat the Leafs. Yeah. Like that wasn't going to happen. You weren't going to beat the Avs. That was certainly not going to happen. And you definitely weren't beating Tampa. That's such a defeatist attitude, though. No, 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 no. It's a realist attitude. Because if you give up even more assets, that sets you back for for New Year's. Now, the Oilers have 19, I believe, 19 million coming off the books. So 22. this is Ken Holland. Okay, 22. This is Ken Holland's chance to actually put his mark on the team. So now... As he he correctly identified that they were not going to go anywhere and you can't be giving up future assets that will hamstring you in the future because that creates that cycle that Peter Shirelli got them in. Mm -hmm. He is trying to break the cycle. Now he's got $22 million in cap space. He has to do something with that. Some of it is going to be re-signing Ryan Nugent Hopkins. A big chunk of it better be getting a goddamn goalie. Right. But you can't be trading future assets to go for it when you know that you are more than one or two pieces away. Toronto is going for it because they are likely only one. They were only one or two pieces away at the deadline. Tampa Bay, only one or Mm. two pieces away. They went and got Blake Coleman and Barclay Goudreau. They won the cup. Right. But you can't sit here and tell me for a single second that Edmonton is as good of a team as Tampa or Colorado or Toronto. Right. So. You can't continue the cycle of hamstringing yourself. And I think a lot of people don't understand that is you can't make overhauling changes at the trade deadline like that. Just it doesn't happen that way. But now Ken Holland has his chance to completely overhaul this roster, but to keep Dreisaitl and McDavid. If he doesn't do that and go all in next year when he can, then I think we ask some serious, serious questions because now he's getting Everything essentially but the Koskinen and Neil money off the books. I wasn't asking for his job here, but I like I totally understand that. But here's the thing. You, the Jets looked at this and like you should think there's no way that the Jets can beat the Oilers. And yet here we in that yet here you go. And I know goaltending is the great equalizer, but like anything can happen. And when you have a cheat code player who just put up one of the greatest modern, if not the greatest modern hockey season we've ever seen in the middle of a pandemic with a division realignment that has you base that that can, you know, do the Mario Kart Rainbow Road to to the to the Eastern Conference final. You gotta do something. Like it's it's also we have a draft that bears very little meaning. It was already weak to begin with, and now you have like seventy-five percent of these players not having played. You could have done something. You could have tried to pry Chris Drieger out of there. You could have you could have given Calgary. No, but what I mean, like, but that's still not enough. So then again, you're giving up futures that are going to hamstring you. You have to break the cycle, and the only way he's going to break was the, this the year to do it? No. Because he didn't have... Was this the year to break the cycle? Yes, this is the year to break the cycle. It wasn't the year to go all in because he still had all that bad money on the books, right? He's got $22 million coming off. Now you have to go... You have to use that money properly. If he doesn't use that money properly, that is Ken Holland's fault. Yeah. But it is unfair to strap what Peter Shirelli did well, to yeah. Ken Holland, right? Now he's got the chance. He's got a bunch of money. He's got over 20%. Actually, he's got 25% of the cap free. 
and he has got to use it effectively. This is when we see if Ken Holland still has what it takes. But I, I, I've spoken to a few people who, who get the sentiment of you can't go all in, right? There's a lot of people that are disappointed by it. But to be honest, the Oilers as an organization were hamstrung from going all in yeah. truly because they allowed Peter Shirelli to do what he did, right? So now I think we're starting to see a little bit of a reset. Personally, I would buy out Koskinen. and that guy has got to go. Or you give Seattle whatever they ask for to Se- take him. Seattle's going to have a good summer. Okay, I'm going to run you through all the players. This is going to be rapid fire. You just tell me yes or no whether or not you keep them on the Oilers. All the players who are hitting UFA or RFA. All right, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. He's coming off the books. Yes. Okay. Alex Chason. No. Okay. Jujar Kara. He's a RFA. So like they're probably gonna keep him. Mm, yes, I think he's a good depth player. Tyler Ennis. No. Dominic Cahoon's an RFA. No. Gaten Haas, UFA. Nah, uh, I would consider it. Uh obviously. But that's Ka- a late summer signing. Yeah. Obviously Kayla Yamamoto. Y- yes. Y- yes, of course. Not even a debate. Joachim Nygaard. No. What? No. I uh, yeah. Devin Shore. No. Russell pa- or Patrick Russell, not Russell Patrick. Patrick Russell. No. Adam Larson. They were thinking of re-signing him for four years. That's the thing. Like, and no, definitely not that. Um, and then here's the here's the big one. Tyson Berry. Absolutely not. But they are they're gonna. You know they're gonna, and that's the thing. Like, absolutely. So here's the thing. If you want to re-sign Tyson Berry, okay. Caveat: I would re-sign Tyson Berry at two years, two and a half million dollars. I would not re-sign Tyson Berry at two years. Five and a half million dollars. If you can get him for two and a half, be my guest because I actually I would think give him the same deal. The same deal he's got. Three point seven five is a bit much, but like that's not going to kill you if it's like two years. That's fine for a guy who puts yeah, that's up points. Fine. But what I, if it goes above four, the answer is no. And you know it will. You know it will. Yep. So for me, it's I keep Tyson Berry if the number is below four. Dmitry Kulikov. No. And then Slater Cuckoo. You know what? He, I didn't mind him this year. He did some okay stuff. He, he he's should. a good depth player. Now you need to play Evan Bouchard. That is a non-negotiable. Uh, y- I don't yeah. think very highly of him, but he's definitely better than who they played this year. <laughs> Obviously, you have Darnell Nurse. I think you got to trust Ethan Bear a little bit more. Show out Ethan Bear. Show out to Darnell Nurse. By the way, sixty-two oh seven last night. Third most minutes in NHL history. Unbelievable. Shout out to I can't Ridiculous. imagine the rigor on human body. Sorry to interrupt you. Go and ahead. And he was very good. And he was good. There's a reason why he logged that, that many minutes because he was their only. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Continue. So can we talk about some of the takes that are coming out of this, please? Specifically yes. that individual that decided to tell me to watch yeah. hockey. So I want to fold this into a larger McDavid discussion. But yeah, there there has been there like Oilers. Um, I didn't tune in personally before I was seeing on Twitter. Oilers talk radio, specifically post post-game talk radio was um was a lot was spirited let's just put it that way spirited yes so um everyone's saying you know connor i saw i i looked through the comments on the instagram post that the oilers put for like our season that was a bad choice no it was funny because i got a lot i i wanted to screenshot some but then i thought you know what i can use my time better than in in many different ways but one i saw was connor mcregular season um you know, another one was, uh, you know, like, oh, because the, the overtime goal that, that was the dagger, it was a McDavid turnover, this and that. What does this, what does, what does this loss in the fashion of the game? Cause I think if they just got bounced in game seven, you, it's kind of different, but what does this loss getting swept, blowing the lead all, you know, the, again, the team, regardless of what you think from, from a realist standpoint, McDavid looks as the team not going in all into the deadline. What does this 
do to Connor McDavid? Like, how's he looking at this right now? Um, I'm going to be careful with how I answer this question. Yes, absolutely. You got to touch this with carefully, but, uh, yeah, I think we're going to, first of all, we're going to have a podcast oh, yeah. later in the I summer I can't uh, where we, we, we basically are going to focus on the Oilers cause we're going to move on here so we can talk about other yeah. things. But if, if you watch that series, if you watch hockey and you think McDavid is overrated and part of the problem, I, this is probably not the podcast for Seek you. Help. Seek Hockey help. is also probably not the sport for you because McDavid is not signed to a max contract and therefore he is the most valuable contract in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, to say he has to change his game because he's not getting penalties called against him. Nope. And we'll touch on this later why he definitely shouldn't be changing his game there. Okay, okay. Um, I think there's going to be a serious conversation between Leon Dreisaitl, Connor McDavid, and Ken Holland. Okay. Um, I think personally, I think Dreisaitl is more frustrated than McDavid is. Really? Um, <laughs> Interesting. The Germans have a um, thing where you either, you are one of, you fall into one of two categories. Okay. You either get pissed off and explode at everything that happens. Okay. Or... <laughs> Or you are measured and you wait. But once you are done, you yeah. are done. And yeah. Dreisaitl falls into the ladder of that. I wonder how close he is to being done. Because he looked broken. Like, the thing, the difference between McDavid and Dreisaitl is Dreisaitl is a little less measured with the media. And that likely is to do partly because of English. Mm-hmm. Um, because the things he says to the German media are much more articulate. Um, but he also wears his emotions on his sleeve a little bit more. And like when he came out after game three, like hoodie up two word answers, like you could tell he was broken Yeah, because it's like, they're doing everything they can. They're getting no calls, which is McDavid played the equivalent of five and a half games without drawing a penalty. He got need interfered with elbowed. Somebody uh, close to Winnipeg texted me saying that his respect for those two has like it skyrocketed because for them to even fight through and play as well as they did with all the shit that they had to deal with Mm -hmm. was astounding. The fact that they weren't bitching and complaining like incredible stuff. And I mean, it is what it is. But then to have like Edmonton media coming out being like, well, Ethan Bear and Tyson Berry are as good at moving the puck as Kale McCarr and Sam Gerrard. You should lose your ability to vote for the PWA, like the PHWA awards. Like, I'm sorry, but if you can't even identify the fact that Kale McCarr and Sam Gerrard are better than Tyson Berry and Ethan Bear, you should not be covering hockey. This is from like, the same this is from the same market that while Connor McDavid put up again 103 points in 56 games a guy one of their media members who's credentialed is able to, to cover the team went Mike Smith should be the team MVP. Like <laughs> I, you cannot take anything that that market says seriously because they live there is something in the water. There is something that that just warps their perception of reality. All right. Uh, I thought me, the only person quickly, I thought the only yeah. person, the only media member that actually nailed it last night was Ryan Rashog. And he's had some bad, yeah. bad takes. Like he, he called was Connor in, Hellebuck a backup. That's did, probably not good. Did he nail it from in, inside the trenches? Uh, yes. <laughs> but he said, he goes, there is no way you can look at this season as anything other than a colossal failure. Yeah. And that is, he didn't have to say anything else. That is correct. That's what I'm saying with my initial point. They outplayed the Jets. They outplayed the Jets, 
but they lost and results matter in a results-based business. hundred percent. All right. Give me, give me one, before we move on one quick prediction, what you think the Oilers are going to do. They're going to get a goalie. Okay. Um, they're going to let some, I think Ryan McLeod is fully in the lineup next year. I Good. think Evan Bouchard is fully in the lineup next year. And I think that if Taylor Hall doesn't resign in Boston, which I think is like 95%, he will. I think yeah. he ends up in Edmonton. Damn. But I would be putting the full court press on whether it's trades. Where, like, I think you have to look at using somebody like Ethan Bear as a trade chip for an, a legitimate winger. And you got to get rid of Koskinen somehow. doesn't matter how it, oh, what it is. Yeah, that's yeah. like not even a question. All right, the, Just the LTIR, like the Oilers, you know how we talk about uh, like Toronto and Detroit and Tampa using all mechanisms of the cap to basically cheat. Yeah. The Oilers need to do that. Well, Never it's mind funny honoring the spirit of the rule. Do it. They have zero. They have zero depth. We saw that. And they and they're no, fi- literally break all the rules like break. No, I bend, know. Do whatever it. you need to do. Do it. And it's funny, like I have their cap friendly page pulled up in front of me. So you even talk about what the how this is constructed now, like they, this is, you know, we saw their depth. We saw how thin they are at all these positions outside of the best player in the league. They're four million dollars over the cap. They have L, they have four point one zero three million LTIR. It's ridiculous. All right. Moving on. The another sweep occurred. The Colorado Avalanche. So Nazem Kadri, you know, lives to fight another day in these playoffs. Um, the, He's going to miss six games of the next series. Terrific. That's going to be great. I, I my prediction It'll cost the, Colorado the series. You think so? I think if he comes yeah. back, it'll be it. Like I think if he plays another game, it'll be in the conference final. That's what I think. Like I, I yeah. So anyway, um, the Abs sweep the Blues. There's not really much to go into into on this no. other than there's Ryan, literally nothing to go into other than Ryan O'Reilly's quote, which is a lot of fun because before the series, he uh, he's quoted and he he uh, he goes, "We're going to have some fun and we're going to beat them." His preseason, his pre-series quote, and he didn't beat them once, my my guy. You didn't beat them once. Real so rough. So that's that. Real rough. And then another headline, real quick, we'll run through this. Players finding another gear for the playoffs. We have seen some incredible performances, specifically from guys, not this, you know, some of these guys. We're not going to talk about, like, well, McKinnon different because he's, like, averaging a game score of three so far. Yeah, it's, it's but, absurd. Like, not superstars. Like, I'm talking about William Nylander, three goals in three games. Yeah. Jonathan Huberto it has been a, literally absurd in the Florida series. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt Duchesne, fantastic for Nashville. I mean, I've been watching every game of that series. Yeah. Jordan Stahl, fantastic for Carolina. 100%. Wow, have I been impressed with those two. Um, in goal, you've got Connor Hellebuck saving seven goals more than he should it's have. Absurd. Andre Vasilevsky, almost six more goals than he's supposed to. Like, ridiculous. And then on the back end, we've got some unsung guys. So you've got, um, first of all, like just to get it out of the way, Charlie McAvoy has been... Yep. The best defenseman in the playoffs thus far. Like, he's been insane. Um, but then you've got Morgan Riley, yeah. who's been <laughs> Toronto's best defenseman by 10 miles. Ryan Graves in Colorado mm-hmm. has been incredible. And same with Ryan Ellis. Like, those are definitely two names that don't get a ton of attention, especially north of the border. But, like, Ryan Graves and Ryan Ellis, the two Ryans, um, yeah. absolutely fantastic, fantastic for, for their teams. And, I mean, as it stands right now, it's 2-2 in Nashville, Carolina, and I don't think a whole lot of people thought about that being a thing. But yeah, Ryan Graves, I think um, we talk about underrated players, criminally underrated, because on a blue line with McCarr, Gerard, and mm-hmm. Taves, of course, everyone else is going to get forgotten about, but he's been fantastic. 100%. I was, I was worried that you were going to try and fight my dad last night, because I watched the Leafs game with my dad, and up until he scored... 
<laughs> he was not thrilled with Morgan Riley. Like he was, he which was, is like <laughs> we'll get into this when we talk about it in the deep dive. But like evaluating in the playoffs is like. I hey, my dad's really not a media member. Throw my phone into the lake. No, just anybody. Yeah, but it was like, it was funny. And then he scored do it the way you do in the regular season. It's so funny how easy it is to win my dad over because he was just like talking all this slander that would get him, you know, knocked out by you. And then he scores. Then he's like, "Wow, that Riley. He's showing some." He used the term "gumption" to describe what Morgan Riley was showing, and I was oh like, God. "All right, here we go." I heard Tom Fitzgerald use that term way too much, and it makes me <laughs> want to vomit every time I hear it. Oh, that's great. I'll tell my dad that you, you almost, uh, he almost made you puke. It'll be great. All right. Trending up. So plot points. What's trending up, trending down in the world of hockey? Trending up is coaches making bad decisions. And <laughs> this, is, this is silly season when it comes to coaches galaxy branding things. And we can fold this into as well, coaches and GMs, because... I don't know how much influence a certain coach had over had on a certain challenge that seemed to be initiated by a certain GM. But let's talk about Do you think that maybe the Habs could like use someone who maybe has experience with Hawkeye like yeah. instead of just having one video coach? I th- I was wondering if they even had a video coach. Like I tweet I, I I tweeted out like do that because you look at so Dominic Ducharme. So how it works? I can actually explain like in okay. two seconds how it works. Do it. So you have a video you have a video coach and that guy is responsible for clipping the game live for sending stuff to the iPad. Like yeah, that's what he does. Then you have a separate guy. Even Ottawa has two guys. Okay. Ottawa has two video <laughs> coaches because the second guy his job during a game his only job is to watch for challenges and maybe to do like little stats or whatever, like face off stats, whatever the case may be. Yeah. But like his only job is to <laughs> his watch what, his what Rachel, his what his one job. You had one job. <laughs> yeah. When Ottawa employs two people to do it, that is a signal to everybody else. You probably need to have two people as well. Yeah. Right. Because like in New Jersey, we had one guy up until last year and like, it would be routinely, like, something would happen, and Roly Melanson, who's the goalie coach, would be on the mic, and I would be sitting next to Roly, and he would look at me and be like, what do you think? Like... You can't do that. Exactly. So, how it works is, if you're if they just have one video coach, then that guy has to clip the game and be able to decide within 10 seconds if they're challenging. But then what you have in Montreal is you have John Sedgwick and Sean Burke and everybody other, everyone else on a microphone, which is way too many... Imp- opinions you can't have that you need like maximum three people you need video guy mm-hmm. video guy two they essentially are always in agreement so that's one opinion head coach makes the final call assistant coach yeah other than that if it's goalie interference i probably would have asked carrie price like you ask your goalie you you look down like i remember john hines when we would look at challenging something he would look down at keith kincaid or Corey schneider whoever's in net and be like yay or nay on that one <laughs> like he would kind of and and they had a signal where it was like, yes, challenge, no challenge. Like, you, you value that input, especially if it's Carey Price. But uh, yeah, that was, um, that was a poor decision, as was sitting Cole Caulfield for the first two games. Yeah, so this really became apparent to me last night when Caulfield finally came to play and seemed to be the only player on the Habs capable of challenging for a scoring chance. Scratching Cole Caulfield for the first two games of a playoff series should be a fi- like that in my opinion should be a fireable offense a fireable offense that's not i don't think that's being too harsh yeah like when you're um i understand the young player thing and we've talked about development which is exactly why romanov is sitting yeah um but with cole caulfield his one talent 
Like his extremely special talent is exactly what the Habs are lacking. So for mm-hmm. me, not playing him so you could play Paul Byron is a little galaxy braining. Um, and then we have Dave Tippett making some interesting choices as well. Oh yeah, it's you know what I think that coaches when it get when it comes to the playoffs they get so inside their head like they get way too they they make like it's. I, I look at this as like a fantasy situation because I do this all the time and it's my Achilles heel in fantasy football. And I know that, you know, equating being an NHL coach to running a fantasy team is ridiculous, but it's the only way I can even sniff what this context is like for them. But like when it's when I, I overthink this, you tinker and you just overthink things and you want like you 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 have this nagging voice inside your head that tells you to do one thing. Even if you have a gut feel, you start to doubt your gut feel. And I think for a guy like Dominique Ducharme, that's what he was. That's really because yeah. you, you have like, I know, okay. Kakim is one thing, like whatever he's been disappointing. So you can scratch him. He probably was going to get scratched anyway. Fine. But for the only, but for Cole Caulfield, like the only reason for him to draw in is to replace an, an injured Eric Stahl, Eric Stahl, who by the way has like some of the worst underlying numbers, both like in the league or like they were going to scratch Thomas Tatar who has literally been like he's 80% expected goals for but he like doesn't have a shot on net so like we must scratch him like that's dumb too how is Thomas Tatar in the conversation for scratches here like uh, like Paul Byron I get understand is is you know he scored that shorthanded goal but like Dominic Ducharme is going to lose the Habs this series the Leafs are clearly better than him and everything but like this team he's not could, helping yeah this team can be deployed so much better and you look at last night, like Caulfield had so many great A chances and he still had no ice time. It only took until like the third period. Like get, like you have a elite sniper on your team, a kid who's yes, his, his all around game is not there yet. But like this is not a season where like if we want to talk about times to go all in, like this is not the Habs time to go all in. But you need to see what you have. And Caulfield has shown that he steps up in pressure situations. His first two goals of his initial career were overtime winners. You put him in the lineup against a high-flying offensive team, and he gives you exa- a counterpunch to them. And it, there's, a, there's a good reason why that was the best, that was the closest thing the Habs had to, like, a competitive advantage against the Leafs in a game th- where they, you know, their, their opponent wasn't, trying to sort through psychological trauma. It was absurd. Anyway, trending down is Sergei Bobrovsky's value in Florida. This is... Well, hang on. You totally skipped over Dave Tippett. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, Yeah. just quickly. Like, I get you're going to a commercial break, but when you know you have a team that's that fragile, you've given up the 4-3 goal, you call a timeout. Yeah. Like, you call a timeout. You you have to rein them back in. Because you can't call a timeout after icing anymore, and you're leading, so you're hoping that you're not going to have to call a timeout to score a game-winning goal. You call a timeout there because you need to settle your bench down. They've just given up two goals in the span of two minutes. You've got to settle your bench down. That cost them the game there. And did you see the demeanor? Connor McDavid went along the bench trying to hype all his teammates up during a TV timeout. And those yeah, guys and were... Yeah, last def- night he was like, I'm going to kill everybody. And rightfully so because yeah. he had teammates that couldn't complete a 10-foot pass. Look at the demeanor. Like, go back and watch that clip. It's a gif all over Twitter. Look at the demeanor of his teammates on the bench. They are defeated and they have their captain, the best player in the world, coming to tell them to like lighten up and they're not doing like no one perked up and you think maybe a timeout could help them. It didn't. All right. Trending down. Sergey Bobrovsky's value in Florida. Is this the worst contract in NHL history? Not the worst, but it's I think the decisions surrounding the contract are the worst. Like you drafted Spencer Knight 13th overall and then like a week later you signed a goaltender to seven by ten. Like, yeah. 
that's that's not good. And now we're at the point where like Spencer Knight goes in last night in a do or die game. So that speaks volumes in and of itself that he's playing the elimination game. And he was the best player for both teams. Yeah. Like he was incredible. And so I don't exactly think it's secret that he's probably playing game six. And the other thing is that's a contract like Luongo's. You can't move it. No, not at all. You have it. Now, here's a fun one for you. Hit me. Well, you have, like, hold on. You have one, two, three, four, five, you have five years left, $37 million in actual cash owed to him. That's still, that's like, that is an immovable contract. Immovable. You cannot buy it out. You send him down to the minors, even, like, you try and buy him out, you send him down to the minors. His minors' salaries for the next years, 12 million, 12 million, 10 million, 6.56. You can't move them. Yeah. And I don't think no. that I, this is not one you can, you can, you know, pawn off to Seattle. They won't like, no, you Reese Jessup had a, no, Seattle won't take him. There's far too many smart people there. Reese Jessup had a great tweet where someone was like, I think you burn like a first round pick or something to try and get Seattle to take Bobrovsky. And he, he quote tweeted being like, they, I don't even think they take him if you offered 10. Right. All right. Jordan trending up Jordan Bennington slander. My God, everyone loves to clown on this guy. It's absolutely hilarious. Specifically, both both Philip Grubauer, who was the opposing goaltender in the Colorado series, and JT Comfer, whose caption on this is hilarious. They both tweeted Instagram pictures, basically clowning on Jordan Bennington for winning. And JT Comfer's um, picture was a, a you know Jordan Bennington getting walked by or just absolutely dangled out of his pants by a guy. And Comfer's caption was i didn't score this goal but i just love this picture so i posted it it's remarkable jordan bennington is like i said the jake paul of the nhl and anytime he gets he gets clowned on it makes my heart sore all right let's move into the deep dive but before we do that quick word from our sponsor i love that that is the sound of another sale on shopify the all-in-one commerce platform to start run and grow your business Shopify is a platform designed for anyone to sell anywhere, giving entrepreneurs like me the resources that were once reserved for big business. And it's customized to your needs. You get a great looking online store that really helps bring your ideas to life and tools to manage the day to day and drive sales. And I'm speaking about this from experience. I'm really passionate about bass fishing. And a little over five years ago, I started an e-commerce bass fishing brand with my best friend, Aaron called Wu Tungsten. Actually, it's pronounced Woo Tungsten, W-O-O exclamation mark, because that's the sound you make when you catch a giant bass. And it was a no-brainer to do this on Shopify because they've made it so easy every step of the way, from creating product listings, to making discount codes, to managing shipments. In fact, if you want to see what an e-commerce store looks like on Shopify, go to wootungsten.com and you can see. And it's no wonder that every 28 seconds, a small business owner makes their first sale on Shopify. You can get started by building and customizing your online store with no coding or design experience. And you can gain knowledge and confidence with extensive resources to help you succeed. Plus, with 24-7 support, you're never alone. It's more than a store. Shopify grows with you. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash blue wire, all lowercase for a free 14 day trial, and you'll get access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Start selling on Shopify today, just like me, just like Wu Tungsten by going to shopify.com slash blue wire right now. That's shopify.com slash blue wire. 
All right, Rachel, the playoffs are devolving into madness. It's silly season of the highest order. What are your thoughts? Let's let, let's let's this is Rachel's corner. Let's go. Um, so Dom Lustrician has a piece coming out on officiating in a, in a couple days. Um, by the way, and congratulations, I only know this. Congratulations to the first couple of, of NHL Twitter. Um, Dom, Dom Lucision and Kaylee Sibley. Congratulations. They made yes, it official we love that. and they are the king and queen of hockey Twitter. We will refer to them as such. Continue. So the playoffs are devolving into madness. Um, to, so much so to the fact that I actually, and I'm not going to get into why I did this because that's a private matter. Um, I went back and watched um, all of McDavid's shifts. Just, <laughs> okay. just McDavid's. Uh, he had over 30 infractions committed against him, and he did not draw a single penalty in the entire series. Sasha Barkov has had his head slammed into the ice no less than five times. Uh, Sidney Crosby, the same. Austin Matthews is getting ragdolled every 14 and a half seconds and is literally laughing and not getting involved. Like, I'm happy the NHL is fining people for crossjacks, but do you think we could call them during the game? Because I'm not going to... Here's the thing. I think it's completely unfair to place the blame solely on officials because it's so clear that they're getting mandated by the league to quote-unquote let them play. And you know what I really wonder? What do you wonder? Is, so the US TV deal, ESPN, TNT now have a say, right? And we know that TV networks do some pushing, like specifically those two when it comes to basketball and football. and Like they do some pushing. I wonder if ESPN basically says to the NHL, you, you listen here, okay? We're paying you billions for the rights to the TV deal, and we are not going to have Connor McDavid not playing in the playoffs because you can't call the fucking rule book. <laughs> call it. Yeah. Because you got, like, you and I are both in agreement. Like, it is a crime that A, the Oilers are bad enough to be in this spot, but B, that stars like McDavid, McKinnon, Barkov, Matthews, Crosby are getting assaulted. Yeah, they are. It's absurd. On a nightly basis, and nothing happens. What I also love, too, is players doing this. Like, it, this was really apparent with Brennan Gallagher. Brennan Gallagher cross-checks TJ Brody in the face. It's clear to see. And then the ref calls a penalty on him, and he goes, what? And it's so funny to see the, the players, like, cross-checking is one thing, too, because, like, they really, like, they let everything go in the regular season. We saw it. Matthews was injured because of it. And then, right before the playoffs, they start cracking down. And so players are like, what the hell are we supposed to do now? And so it's just so, it's so unequal. Like, the, like I don't understand. It's not consistent is the way I, is the way to put it. And I don't even care. Like, like, you know what? When they called that penalty on Justin Hall last night yeah. for cross-checking in front of the net, my first reaction was, good. I, I, you know what? I like that you've called that. Now let's keep that standard for the whole game. Narrator, they absolutely <laughs> yeah. Um, But you know what? Yeah. I would... Everyone's saying, oh, you got to let them play. No, no, no. Letting them play means letting the best players actually showcase their talent. And quite frankly, if you have to commit a penalty, then you should be in the penalty box. Otherwise, here's a suggestion. Get better. 
Yeah, they can't com- they can't showcase their best talents when they're friggin' on a gurney, you know? Like, it doesn't work that way. Or, like, Connor McDavid getting knee on knee. Like, that could have literally destroyed oh, his other knee. That was, that was dangerous. Like, that could have been so much worse. I don't think people realize that. literally it. could have been a five-minute major. No, like, but that could have... he got hurt there. That's a five-minute major. That could have been another, like, documentary-worthy, you know, rehab for Connor yeah. McDavid. It was, it was terrible. All right, evaluate... You, this has been something that you've harped on a lot. Because, you know, as as an as the, you know, the analytical eye that you have, people tend to do this, myself included. I I struggle with this, too. Evaluation when it comes to hockey players, it's different in the playoffs. I want to tell you, I want you to give a PSA as to how that should sort of be how that should be switched and how our minds should kind of differ when it comes to evaluating, you know, players in the regular season versus what they do in the playoffs, because the games are different. the, the, The stakes are different. I think that matters. Yeah, so, I mean, as we just outlined in the last five minutes, like, the game is called differently. Yeah. Right? So, it's unfair to be like, oh, well, this this superstar player doesn't have as many points. Well, yeah, because he's getting assaulted on every shift. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like, there's that, right? And to say, oh, they, they have to change their game. No, how about you just don't allow them to be assaulted? So, we're not even going to go down that road. But when you're talking about evaluating in the playoffs, mm-hmm. and... I, because I talk to Ian Tulloch all the time and I talk to other people all the Unfortunately. time. Unfortunately, Ian, God. And I get asked a lot, like, what, how do you stay so even keeled when it comes to the playoffs? And the reason, what, like, it was something I learned uh, actually while I was kind of with the Leafs. Like, I, I was able to ask about it. Um, and quite frankly, Lou Lamorello probably had the best perspective on it. Interesting. Which was... I mean, not surprising considering he's been a GM for like 35 years. Um, But so did his AGM, Steve Pellegrini, when I worked in New Jersey. And so um, they had similar things to say. And what they said was you need to be careful about making sweeping judgments of a player based on two to three games. Yeah. Right. You never know what's going on, especially in a pandemic right now. But just speaking generally, you need to make sure that you're not making sweeping roster decisions or sweeping judgments of a player just because the games are maybe like the games are a little bit more important. Right. So it's like Alex Kerfoot was not good in the regular season. He's been great so far in the playoffs. Does that mean he deserves a six million dollar contract? Absolutely not. (laughs) Right. Or like Taylor Hall. Bad season. He's been gross in the playoffs. Does he deserve an eight and a half million dollar contract? Probably not. Right. So you need to define sample size. And what that means is a player's body of work over seasons, specifically regular seasons. Mm -hmm. Like you can't just say we're going to throw that out because he wasn't good in these five or six games. Like you can't do that. Yeah. Right. Because then you're going to be, you're going to be in danger of getting rid of players at low value. Like the sample size with Nazem Kadri is you traded him because he screwed up in 100% of your playoffs. Yes. Yes. Like that's not the same, but I'm talking about like Morgan Riley is terrible. Morgan Riley did not have a great season this year. Morgan Riley has been fantastic in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that it erases everything in the regular season. That doesn't mean that. Or vice versa. The reason you have, yeah, and the reason you evaluate, the other reason you evaluate differently in the playoffs is because getting goalied is a thing. We just we saw just it. just saw it. Yeah, it just happened. Right? So getting goalied is a thing. Like, it's unfair to Mike Smith, like I said, to say he was bad. He was bad for eight minutes yeah. <laughs> of, of literally, like, 
300. Yeah, but then again, the, when the playoffs hit, those eight minutes, they're extremely important. And that's why the stakes right, come into, you're not into here. throwing no, no, no. out the baby with the bathwater exactly. there. Like, exactly. Now, obviously, he's 39. I wouldn't expect them to run it back again. But what I'm saying is, is you can't just say, oh, the Oilers are, are fucking brutal. And Connor McDavid can't is not a playoff player because Connor Hellebuck decided he was going to throw up a 980. Like... I'm sorry, but you can't be... And that's what happened with the Leafs last year against Columbus. They outplayed Columbus in every single game, and the Columbus goaltending put up a 9.55. Like, I mean, at some point, like you've, you've got to understand that you're not making sweeping judgments on five or six games. Yeah. Um, there's also a difference between being adaptable and knee-jerk reactions, mm-hmm. right? So... Obviously, like if there are injuries, you, you, you have to make changes, right? But like Mike Babcock playing Patrick Marlowe in game seven, the way he did shows that he does not have the ability to adapt. Yes. Right. But what I don't want to see is a coach putting lines in a blender after game one because you lost, even though you generated most of the scoring chances. Yeah. Right. That's Sheldon Keefe. Perfect example. Right. Obviously, you lose Tavares. So there's naturally going to be a little bit of juggling there. But for the most part, he kept things the same and said, you know what? We're going to stick with what we're doing. Right. We, we were set up for success. Mm-hmm. We just couldn't get past one. A fantastic goaltender. And sometimes right? that just happens. And so you stick to it. Right. For him, imagine if he came back and was like, no, everything's going out. <laughs> and we're, it's now like Nylander, Marner, Matthews on a line and like X, yeah. Y and Z like. It would be, or if he just scratched Rasmus Sandin in game two. And that's somewhat what he did in game five against Columbus last year, where he loaded up that top line and just, it, yeah, it was remarkable. Yeah, I think you're 100% um, right. Yeah, and then quickly, like, when we talk about um, evaluating and, and making sweeping judgments, it fits into how you evaluate for the future. So just because a player had a great playoff run does not mean you're signing up. That's what happened with Brian Bickle. That didn't go well. Right. And like, it's one of those things where even if Carey Price performs well in the playoffs, that doesn't mean he's good in the regular season anymore. Right. So it's like you can't just take seven or eight games in the playoffs and be like, well, we're going to award this player a giant ass contract because he was good in the playoffs. And, and you just completely throw out the entirety of the regular season. Like that is not a way to be evaluating players. And when you're evaluating on Twitter for you to be like, oh, well, He's not good in the playoffs, so we're just going to throw out the entirety of the regular season. He's terrible. He's part of the problem. Like, that just tells me you have no idea what you're doing. Well, that's as good of a place as any to end off the podcast. Um, Incredible stuff, Rachel. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, literally any podcatcher out there, Google Google Play, iHeartRadio, all that. Um, You can also find our merch at redbubble.com slash shop. And uh, you can also, there's one more I'm missing here. Oh, yes, the socials. You can find <laughs> you can find Rachel on Twitter at Rachel Dory, me on Twitter at MikeyStevens81, and the podcast on Twitter at StaffGraph. It's all great content. And as I always say, please leave us a review. And we love those positive reviews. They're fantastic. And if you want to leave us a negative one, and it will hurt our heart, but if you do, at least make it entertaining so we can laugh at you for being a dork. All right, as Rachel would always say, stay vaccinated, stay safe, and wear a mask. Take care.